Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, Colm and uh, Colm and Glenn are with us uh, on the stage now. Uh, are you well? Yeah. You're grand. Good. Yeah, you're grand. Good. How do you organise your time in that? Like in like because you could say. Um, there's a band called The Frames, but they all have side projects, but it's almost at the point where everything's a side project, or what's the main project? Like, do you have spreadsheets where you're projecting out years in advance as to how you actually get to be in the same room together? Yes. Well, The Frames was a side project to busking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you do that? Like, is it really complicated to organise a Frames tour? Well, I suppose there, there's only three gigs happening, so that's, you know, we and it would have kind of got organised last year, so yeah. everything else grew up around it. Yeah, but it's not like there's three dates and then you're going, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm going to be here. Or... No, it actually, it turned out that the calendars were fairly clear by the time. Yeah, yeah. we decided yeah. to do a little gig in Levis's in Ballydehob a couple of nights ago and Cullum couldn't make that, so that was a, that's one of those moments. But, you know, you have a phone and a texty finger, you can always just text your mates and go, are you free? Yeah. Do you want to come and do this thing? And then, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's as casual as that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. I thought, you know, all your managers would be fighting with each other. No, that kind no. of stuff. No, no, no. Did Keela come before the frame? They did, yeah. Keela was a school band for us and we went busking and that's where we bumped into Glenn and Mick Christopher and mm. on Grafton Street in the mid-80s. Yeah. Right. And then, like, how, like, do you say to the other members of Keela, I'm, going, I'm leaving you now? Oh, uh, no, I, 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 I kind of, I, I left Keela in 1990, actually. Ah, right. Okay. So, you know, we, we, we're still, you know, friends, and, um, but, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. When you so, say you're still friends, you know, the way people we say, still t- we're, we're, we're good <laughs> friends now. No, we have a mostly harmonious relationship still. Yeah. There might be a kernel of resentment dating back to 1990, all right. Okay. Does that that, that wow-up pedal that yeah. still hasn't been given back. <laughs> All right, okay. So uh, do, how does it express itself, that kernel of resentment? Um, well, stern looks and yeah. musical stages around the place when we meet each other. Yeah, but yeah. generally it works out well. Yeah, okay. Now, I, I, we have a fellow on next, Ted, who's, who has the world record for the world's uh, uh, longest wheelie on a motorbike. Wow. He says he's met you, Glenn, and that you're a fan of motorbikes. Did he meet me during a wheelie? Uh, I, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't specify I, the circumstance. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of motorbikes. I don't know if I've met Ted. Maybe, maybe I have. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find out. Well, he claims he's met okay. you. Yeah. Sure, that's, you know, I'm sure it was kind of harmless. Yeah. But, but, like, do you still repair uh, bicycles, though? Or I do. Or do you still I have do. a yearning to repair bicycles? I do. I got really into... I was living in France for a little bit, and I began to go to flea markets, and I was buying those little mobilettes, like, you know, the original mopeds, which is literally a bicycle with an engine that kind of starts up as you cycle and I become, became kind of obsessed with them and then me and a couple of my uh, young neighbours who are two beautiful traveller lads uh, got kind of obsessed with them. We started collecting them and fixing them up so that's been kind of my release valve for the last couple of years. Yeah, but you've been doing that since. That's why the band is called The Frames, is it not? It's true. Yeah, we were in, our house was known as the house with all the frames out, out the back so it was known as The Frames House so that kind of became a natural name for the band, yeah. And you have thousands of bicycles stashed on. I did then. I mean, Mother occasionally would just throw them all out the back, in the, throw them out in the lane and get rid of most of them. Uh, so what used to happen in, in, in Valley Moon was bikes would get robbed in town and then they end up coming back to our house and we'd have to change <laughs> out saddles and handlebars and paint them. And Now, you know, it was all very innocent at the time, but... Uh, yeah, that's what would happen, yeah. yeah. So if anyone's missing a bike since, since about 1979, that was probably us. Yeah. Bike was stolen and end up in your house. I know, I know it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> in a kind of, it would end up in your house in kind of what kind of circumstances? Ch- change this for me. 
Yeah. Make right. this unrecognisable. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And people would go to that. I didn't think people would be that bothered. Well, really. you'd be, well they were the bikes that were robbed in Ballymun. Yeah. Okay, you didn't want to go. Oh, if you just, got caught in one of them, you were in trouble. You were in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And so how would you, like, would you be spray painting them? They weren't all robbed, or, in fairness. Or, or, the, a lot of the bikes were people, people just had bikes lying around their house. I'm, I'm, painting, a, I'm painting a grimmer picture than, than is true. <laughs> well, a we, slightly more exciting picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, it's, we're on the radio. I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. Um, but no, there was, a, there was just a lot of bikes back in, because nobody, you know, back then no one had a car, so bikes mm. were, were the biggest mode of transport. And we, me and my brother, I was actually my brother was really was into it, and then I really took it over. And, and just, I've always been fascinated by taking things apart. Recently, I've been fixing up my old uh, cassette A-track recorder and my old reel-to-reel. Just take, look at a bit of machinery and go, right, pull it apart and let's see if anything looks off. And mm. that's kind of where you start. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like that for music a bit as well? You kind of pick things Very much so, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... Yeah, it is. It's all about... Uh, cooking and music, I think, are the closest things together. Music and Lego. You know, yeah. t- Tonka toys and, and Lego and yeah. music. They're all very similar. But, that, but then again, I mean, it, it, they're kind of scientific and there's a way of, a one way of fixing something, whereas in a piece of music, there isn't really. That's true. That's very true. That's the major difference, is that when you look at an engine and it's, and it's, it's, it's you know, it's bust, you know that there's a way to fix it. Whereas if you look at a piece of music and it's just not working, the, you, know, you can fix it and there are many ways to think outside the box, but you're right, it, there isn't, there wasn't an engineer that came before you that lived and died and knew the answer. Yeah. With, with art, you really are just stretching out into, into your own expression. But that's the beauty of it, it's, really. Mm-hmm. You can't get it wrong, yeah. but you can't, get, you can't get it entirely right either. Exactly. Yeah. How many instruments do you have, Colin? Do you own? Oh, God, loads of them, yeah. I have, oh, jeez, I don't know, 100? <laughs> really? Yeah, probably. But well, Pullum's thinking... name in the frames was Johnny World Music. Yeah. That's what yeah. we used to call it. <laughs> I, I had the habit of just picking up kind of interest, interesting kind of abstracts and little uh, things that you could make a noise with. And, yeah, so there was a room full of them now. Yeah. And, like, how often do you use them, or do you well, use them one Well, time? you see, I, I, I do a lot of kind of stuff like soundtracks, which mm. can be really useful. So the thing that I bought 30 years ago actually... It often saves the day when it comes to doing a score for something that it's exactly the sound that yeah. has a particular timbre or character that kind of can tell a character story or, you know, so it's, you know, it, it's, it's a paint box. Would, it, would they necessarily be instruments per se or just something that makes a noise? Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of, you know, the shakers or unusual marimbas or, you know, xylophones or, you know, yeah. bits and pieces. A hose that you swing over your head and makes a kind of a... Sound, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that could be, all sorts. You could use that in an engine as well. Well, this is a bit of waving pipe. Yeah. yeah, it's all there. That's very yeah. handy. How many uh, guitars, Glenn? Uh, about forty, actually. Yeah. yeah, and I'm trying to get rid of a few because you, they do build up over the years. And like Colm said, each instrument that comes into your life, it sounds like you're just collecting them for for fun, but actually, each instrument that comes into your life does a thing. And maybe that only ever does that one song that you, that you came up with. It's in a particular tuning. Sometimes mm. the guitars are they're useless in any other tuning except this weird open tuning that you figured out. And that does it. I bought a, a harmonium, a church harmonium on uh, Dundee last week, uh, 100 quid. And I got it home and it makes one sound. Because, you know, it's it busted. And I thought, I'll take it apart and I'll fix it. It'd be great. Mm. Um, I got onto Padra Rieda and Padra put me onto all these videos about how to repair the bellows and all. But it makes one sound. And I've already used that one sound on a recording that's coming out next in, in the end of the year. And so that, that's paid for itself. 
So that, and it's like Cullum says, you use this tiny thing that you bought and, you know, in Rome in a flea market 20 years ago and now you've used it on your record and now it's, it's, it's paid for itself. It's, it, it's now valid. Now it can sit in the corner and have a proud place in your life. And enjoy its glory days. Yeah. Do you still have the guitar with the big hole in it? I do. Yeah. And does that get, is that now kind of, because it's, is it your oldest guitar? It's, it's the guitar I bought when the frames got signed to Island Records. Um, uh, I remember seeing Paul Brady in concert and I, I just, his sound, and I just was like, I want that guitar. And just then we had gotten signed and I just done the commitments. So I had two checks and I bought a Vespa uh, and I bought a guitar. And I, wa- I said, they went into the shop and I said, I want the Paul Brady guitar. And they were like, oh, that's this one. And so I, I got it and, and I got a Vespa. Yeah. But over time, like that's a few years ago, obviously, yeah. do, do guitars get a bit then yeah, fragile over time? And yeah, you know, it's, it, it, has, it has come apart. That guitar, I mean, I just, because, I, because I'm a busker, I tend to play into the body so that I end, I end up with holes in my guitars. Uh, but it's, it's, it's actually down to bad habits. It's not, it's not a very, you know, some people won't give me that. Like, I'll, I'll ask someone at a session, like, give us a, can I have a go at your guitar because I won't have mine and they won't give it to me. They're like, no, because I've seen your guitars. I'm like, you know, the fist. <laughs> Do you think of yourselves essentially still as buskers? Well, I, I think it, it, the street definitely informs our relationship with music, for sure. I think it's kind of create, you know. So I think we're way more, um, yeah, it's just, I think we're always more interested in having a life in music rather than it being a, a career or it being a, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we loathe rehearsing. Because rehearsing is not... I noticed that before the show started. <laughs> well, rehearsing is not performing. And, and yeah. if you're performing, and busking... I think natural buskers are performers, and so when we go on stage tonight in the marquee, like we'll, there'll, be no, there'll be no difference between how we handled that gig and how we would play on Grafton Street. It's exactly the same energy. It's mm. exactly the same mindset. You know, you're just, you're, you're, you know, except the people are actually stopped, and they're in front of you, and there's no coins in the box. The, coin, the coins in the, in the box have been sorted <laughs> out before the gig. Um, um, but, but it's exactly the same mindset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our listeners wants to know where you keep your Oscar. Uh, well, my mother had a, God bless her, she had it for years in a Tesco bag um, that she brought all over Ireland. Her claim to fame, she's a photograph of her and Martin McGuinness, Martin McGuinness holding my Oscar, um, <laughs> um, which is now above the mantle. Unfortunately, my mother passed on and then my brother kind of took it down to his house for a while and it was on his mantelpiece for a while and I kind of gently went in one day and took it back. So okay. it's now on my piano. Is there a few lumps and bumps out of it at this stage? There, there's, a, there's a few marks, which my mother, my mother wanted a glass case for it. She was always polishing it, you know, polishing me, Oscar, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Insert joke. Um, <laughs> but she, no, she loved it. She was so proud. And actually, I thought about putting it down in the grave with her. And then, I, and, oh. and, and then everyone was like, no, don't, because you'll regret it. And I was like, I, I won't regret it. But anyway, it's, I still have it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose then it, it kind of reminds you of your mother as well as... Exactly. What you got her for. Exactly. She, yeah. she, she was just so proud. And, you know, everything, all, all complications aside, to make your mother proud is the greatest thing on earth. Yeah. yeah. No, but it is. I mean, it, it just is. Yeah. And did your mother often express her pride? All the time. Yeah. You know, you, you do what you want, son. Like, actually, in, in a way, I think that's probably why I'm a musician, because she was just like, yeah, very good. Now, she would always correct me when I wasn't, if I sang wrong, she would get straight in there. No, 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 you lost it there. No, you lost it. Keep working on that. <laughs> so she was very critical, but also incredibly encouraging. Uh, and, and actually, I, I, I kind of have, have her to thank for everything, because 
I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have followed music. You know, I probably mm. would have gone a different route altogether. Yeah, that's what mammies are for. Callum and, uh, and Glenn, yeah. thanks a million for coming in to talk to us. Thank you, for playing that song. Mm-hmm. They're in the market tonight uh, in Cork. Moncrief weekdays at two p.m. on News Talk.